Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We are doing a series and if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called The Gift, where we're looking at the incredible person, power and pursuits of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this walk with Christ and the understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. I realize we've been talking about this Holy Spirit a bit in our home because we sat down the other night and my little guy, my five-year-old Daniel said, oh, it's Christmas. How is Santa Claus going to get in? To which obviously the older, more mature, more wise brothers said, he's not a thing. He's not real. He's like, what? Is he a ghost? And they said, no, no, he's not a ghost. He said, is he a Holy Ghost? Realize we've got to run some theological bases with my five-year-old and bring him up to speed with a few things. But um, we started looking at this person of the Holy Spirit. Because as I've walked with many Christians, as I've stood with many Christians and engaged with many Christians, there are these misunderstandings about who this person of the Holy Spirit is. Is he a person? Is he just the force of the Trinity? The one that comes out when the work needs to be done. Oh, we need someone to come and fix this person or fix this scenario, heal in this situation. Let's bring out the Holy Spirit. And we have this understanding where we forget that actually the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The center of our theology where so much of what we believe and everything we're about stems from our understanding of the Trinity of God where there's this perfection of equality of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet in the, in the understanding of the kingdom of God coming, there's this economic realities that they play different roles in the mission of God and the renewal and the redemption of all things. And it seems that the Father sends the Son and the Father sends the Spirit and the Son keeps pointing people to the Father and the Spirit of God. God keeps revealing Jesus and keeps revealing the Father, and yet perfect in everything that they do. There is this theological um, understanding called perichoresis, where it's the dance of the Trinity. It's the understanding that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity invite us as the sons and daughters of God into walking with them and building with them and seeing the kingdom of God advanced. We get to the privilege of playing that part. But how we understand the Trinity and how we understand that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are also individuals that we can have relationship with. Yes, three are one, but you can have a relationship with God the Father. And God the Father can be doing something on this side of the room while Jesus the Son is roaring and bringing freedom and life over someone in this part of the room. And yet the Spirit of God is counseling and speaking and revealing so much to someone else. And yet three are one. It's a, it's a big concept to get your head around, but as Christians, we have to have some fundamental beliefs that line up with who God says He is. And God said at the beginning, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, and Spirit together, making man, bringing creation in line, speaking words of truth, and speaking de- light and day, night and day, land and sea, speaking together, bringing life and freedom and joy But we understood that in understanding the person of the Spirit of God, it's essential that we understand, number one, He is God. Not a third party, stick around with the Father and the Son. He is God. And secondly, He's a person. The Bible said the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit speaks. Those are characteristics of a person. 
we can have relationship with. You see, if you, if you just see the Holy Spirit as a force used by the Trinity, you'll never understand that you can have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And then he pulls us into this big story, and we understand that there's, it's not just the person of the Holy Spirit, so we have another friend, because we're lonely. No, God gives us the Spirit of God for the mission of God. And the, at the end of the book of Matthew, there is this great commission, this mandate for every believer. Not just for the church guy, but for every believer. There is this mandate that goes like this in Matthew 28. Maybe you've heard it before. All authority in heaven, this is Jesus speaking, and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Why, as part of our partnership course, is one of the things to go? Because Jesus told us to do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized yet, don't think about it too much. Just respond to the Word of God. Let's get baptized next week. And I love it that some people are already doing that. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I am with you always. But Jesus, you're leaving. No, surely I'm with you always. But Jesus, you're going to heaven. No, surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the earth. Well, how's that work? But he carries on. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all flow into the book of Acts. The book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit begins to empower and release life and speak to the church and say, this is how you're going to get on with it. And Jesus doesn't just leave them. He doesn't say, well, these are the principles of Christianity. Good luck. He says to them at the beginning of the book of Acts, it goes like this in verse 4 of chapter 1. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. The gift. Who doesn't like a gift? I had an eight-year-old's birthday party. Gifts bring joy to the house. They bring life to any eight-year-old and every person. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, what's that? It's a different baptism. It's a baptism, a complete immersion from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, every single part of me completely immersed in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's different. And Jesus said, you've got to wait for this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father set down by his own authority, but you will receive power. He's saying you need power. Wait, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You need power for the mission of God in your life. You're an accountant. Yes, you don't just need accounting principles. You need the power of God for the mission of God in your life. And he says, what's the purpose? Well, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Oh, so that I can travel. No, because Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria are not geographical locations. They are people. Samaria is not just some town further away. Samaria for Jesus was a woman at a well who'd had five husbands, was living with another man. And Jesus comes as the perfect seventh man into her life. And she's been spending day after day in the middle of the day where no one draws water because of the embarrassment of her life. She draws water daily that can maybe sustain her for 15 minutes. Jesus comes into her life, and in Samaria, Jesus meets a woman that he brings living water to because Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria are not, peop- are not places, they are people. But he says, for that mission and that story, you need power. 
The word power there comes from the word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It's power. It changes situations. It changes context. It's the same power on which Jesus ministered in. It's the same power where we saw Elijah runs and he runs faster than the horses. No man can do that. But God, in his situation, we see Samson, this guy where I look at all my kids' Bibles and Samson's displayed something like Anthony, a big strong man with muscles. Everywhere. Actually, he's this massive guy. And yet when I read the Bible, the Bible doesn't tell me he was a guy who'd been in the gym his whole life. He was a guy who had massive biceps and massive triceps. Now, I think Samson was a skinny little dude. I won't get anyone to stand right now. But, but a skinny little guy who the power of God was upon his life. And when he stood between those pillars, it was the power, the dunamis of God. Not some external force, the dunamis of God inside of him that empowered him to take those pillars down. We've got to understand that this Christianity is nothing without the power of God in our lives. And so too many of the church settle for Christian principles. Are we, we raising our home on Christian principles? Christian principles will only go so far. Christian power goes far further. Christ power in our lives. When my child gets sick, I don't need Christian principles. Step one, extend your hand. Step two, pray this prayer. No, that does nothing. But Christ power to heal, Christ power to restore, Christ power to bring order changes everything. And our Christianity and our belief is not one underpinned by principles. It is a belief system underpinned by the power of heaven invading earth. And he says, I want you to play a part in this. But the way you do that is by growing in a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, who has sealed your heart, sealed your, your, your heart. He has invaded your being. He is alive inside of you the day you gave your, your life to Christ. And he wants to empower you for a Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria journey. You see, you need it. You need it. doesn't matter what you're doing. Oh, Mark, I'm a mom and I'm at home with my kids. I, I, I just know you need power to do that well, to raise well. I married a lady who spent her years and her life dancing. So she'd never once babysat a child, ever. Then she has one. And I see the fear of all things baby coming upon her. Until I watch the anointing of God, the power of God come in her life and reveal to her the design and the power of God in that story for her. I've watched business people walk into business rooms where they think they're going in as an accountant, but we've got to understand when whatever room we walk into, whatever context you walk into, however you enter that room, you don't go in as an accountant, you don't go in as a builder, you go in as a son or daughter of the living God, full of dunamis power. The same power Jesus said, wait for the same power. It's not a different power. It's not something that was accessible then and now is no longer accessible. It's the same power. It's the same God, the Holy Spirit. It's the same one who draws us in, who speaks to our souls, who counsels us when we are weak, who brings restoration when we don't know the journey forward. The same power. And you see, there's been a challenge in the church and the challenge is this thing called the pulpit. The challenge is the spot where the light shines because everyone thinks that's the guy who needs the power. And it's the greatest lie that's ever been sold in the church, that the power of the hour guy is the man of God in the front, and he's the one with the direct link to the three phase of heaven, and if I can just get to him, 
And if he's on his game, God will do something. And it's a lie. Because God said, all authority I've given to all of you to make disciples, but you all need the power of God. And it's the same spirit given to a preacher man that's given to Bob the accountant. I'm not sure why I said Bob. I'm not picking on any Bobs here. But, but, but business leaders and, and nurses and, and people working for government. And people in trauma rooms, walking with people in chaos. You need the power of God. And we've made this word anointing something so weird. Oh, the anointing's come on me. And it's only when I've got a white suit on and I'm shouting really loud that the anointing is upon me. Rubbish. The anointing of God is the Spirit of God inside of me that brings out the potential of heaven in my everyday situation and everyday reality. And normal as it can be sometimes. But it's the power of God, and I'm sitting in a business meeting, and God gives the strategy of heaven, and everyone goes, how did you get there? And I go, I don't know. I'm just a son of God. We have to understand that we have access to so much more. And it's in our growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit who keeps revealing the Father, keeps revealing the Son, keeps taking us on this incredible journey of knowing God. That in that journey of knowing God, there is an increase in the dynamics of heaven, which is a power dynamic. And we begin to grow in God and understanding Him. And every single one of us needed for every different scenario. See, we talk about doing life together. You know what doing life together is from a scripture in the Bible called Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And yesterday... I had the incredible privilege and honor of facilitating your daughter's funeral yesterday. And to be honest, in the natural, I find it unbelievably overwhelming. But when I understand that there are 50 young people sitting there who are broken and hopeless right now, my job is to get back on my knees and say, God, I can't do anything here. I could preach a sermon or I can... Ask that your Holy Spirit would invade this house and change everything and bring comfort to the morning and bring freedom to the chained and bring hope to the hopeless because we rejoice with those who are rejoicing and we mourn with those who mourn and we only do it by the power of God. That's how the church works. We don't have any other currency. We don't have any other wisdom. We don't have greater ways or best practice of the world. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. And Peter and John are walking and they're navigating life. And, and, and the observation of them by the people around them was they were unschooled, ordinary men. Just unschooled, ordinary men. And they laid hands on the sick and he gets healed. And they unschooled, ordinary men. But there's this observation, but they had been with Jesus. The power for this life is in an intimacy relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, empowered and enlightened by the Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. It pulls us into a story where everything changes. And we understand that the Holy Spirit in our lives is in us, but He wants out. Bill Johnson would put it this way. He said, we, we kind of leak the anointing of God. We leak it. it. It pours out of us. 
once I preached on the anointing at church the very first time and I got a guy named Will Spall up and he stood. He was in his fancy clothes. He was still looking for a wife in those days. So he was kitted out for church, you know. Don't worry, we know. And um, look at Gabe. He's got a wife now. No, it's all, no. <laughs> it's all good. We do actually love each other, just so you know. And um, I got Will Spall to stand in a bath. He didn't know what was coming. And we put this kind of bath until I pulled out a five liter of canola oil. Elleberry. And, um, and he looked at me like, ah. Oh. And then I started to speak about how the, the word anointing or anoint comes from this word maskach, which means to rub or to smear completely. It's to be completely smeared with God from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. And I took this five liter canola oil and I began to slowly pour it over. And see, unlike water that just falls off us, oil begins to attach itself to us and covers us. And we begin to shine to all around, from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes. Every part of us covered, shining with the glory of God. We're still the same person. We're still wearing the same clothes. We're still doing the same things. And yet the difference is that God is upon us. And when we walk into a room, it's not who we are, the clothes we wear. It's the anointing of God. It's who God is real in our lives. And he wants to do that with us. He says, wait for the gift. The gift. On Sunday mornings, I get up before my family. Every Sunday. And there's this little ritual that happens. At about quarter to six, twenty to six, my oldest wakes up. He doesn't sleep long. And he comes through and he's a bit sleepy. And I'm in the room next door working or reading or praying or whatever. And he comes through and I place my hand on his head. And then I rub my hand on his shoulders, both hands. And then I rub my hand down his back and I rub my hand to the bottom of his legs most Sundays. And I pray for him. Because I'm his father. I want my fingerprints of blessing on his life. And then at about quarter past six, Ben wakes up and he normally has this little hair at the back that sticks up and it's very cute and he doesn't kind of know what's going on, but he comes through and says, morning, dad. And I place my hand on top of his head and I ride up down his shoulders and I run down his back, down his legs and I bless him because I want my fingerprints on his life of blessing. And then much later, generally about 20 minutes later, little Daniel waltzes through. And he really doesn't know where he is. I place my hand upon his head and I run them all over his little body. And I bless him. God wants to do the same with us. You're going into a business meeting tomorrow. Taking a proposal to the bank. Asking God to save jobs in your business. You know what you need more than a strategy. More than an MBA. More than wisdom of this earth. More than a Simon Sinek podcast. You need a moment. In the presence of your father. You need to let him cover you from the top of your head. To the bottom of your toes. With his touch. And his fingerprints and his glory upon your life. Because outside of that we are no different to the world. But under that touch. And under that intimate touch, there's the potential of heaven. It changes everything. We're just sons and daughters of the living God. 
Stephen's face shining while they throw stones at him and he brings, preaches the gospel. Just a son. Martin Luther, under the power of God, writing out so that the masses could come to know their king and read, writing out courage and faith. Jonathan Edwards preaching. God says, I need my people to know that they aren't just a people following a bunch of principles. They are sons and daughters empowered by the living God. And lastly, we said the power, the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit and the pursuit. I want to just tell you that from the beginning of time, there was a pursuit. And Gade shared this with me last night. And the Bible starts like this. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I had an amazing elder preacher in my life. His name was Elias Sonjike. He would speak about the Spirit of God hoovering over the waters. Elias, it's hovering. Yeah, hoovering. And before there was life, and before there was day and night, and when we, the world was just void and empty, there was a God hovering. He was pursuing His people. And now lives come to Him, and they receive Jesus, and He's hovering again. Because of the cross, we have access, and He can enter in and take void and lifeless spaces and bring the life and power of heaven into this world. And people can walk in broken and bruised and have no hope. And they can walk out like one lady did yesterday who came to a funeral of a young lady. And a lady walks in and a, God spoke to me a word and I shared a word with her. And I'm not trying to sound special. I'm just trying to sound like a son of God. I, walk, I went over to her after the funeral. I shared something with her. And she said, for months I've had suicidal thoughts. Can you help us? Can you help me? And God begins to bring life where there's death. To bring truth where there are lies. To bring freedom where there are chains. Why? Because I'm just a son touched by his father. Touched by the spirit of God from deep inside. And so are you. And there is this pursuit of God for his people. But I want to tell you to activate this. To see the sim card of our lives come alive. To see the power begin to flow. There has to be a pursuit from our side too. There's a pursuit. And God takes his people on this journey through the book of Exodus. And he, they start out oppressed and lifeless. They have oppressors. They have all sorts of things going on in their lives. And Jesus, the deliverer, pulls them into a bigger story. Jesus, the, the deliverer, is our biggest story. But they have a deliverer named Moses who breaks into their story. And he begins to walk them through the desert. He begins to take them on this journey. But the greatest highlight of the book of Exodus is not one of the, the Ten Commandments. I love the Ten Commandments and I love the fact they were giving. But they, they weren't the highlight of the Exodus. The highlight of the Exodus was a people who knew the intimate presence of God in the center of their midst. And this is how the book of Exodus ends. In, verse, in chapter 40, verse 36. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. So God would lift, God would move, they would set out. There was a pursuit of the presence of God, a pursuit of God and His leading. But if the cloud did not lift, they didn't set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. The point of the whole exodus wasn't rules. God could have given them rules. He could have given them laws. The point of the Exodus was God was looking for a people who would pursue Him, who would follow Him, who would have the, the humility 
and the understanding that outside of walking with God, they were nothing. They were just a bunch of wanderers in a desert. Outside of the Spirit of God, inside of our lives, we are just wanderers doing time on earth. But when we understand we are those who follow God and there is a pursuit in our lives, we have the potential to see heaven come. Can I have Jason on keys if he's here still, please? Maybe can you stand with me? I wish I could do that for you now, but I don't have the oil of pouring oil over people. Because this is a gift. You know the problem with a gift that I've learned over pastoring for quite a while now is most people struggle to receive a gift. And it was my 40th birthday recently. And um, one of my friends came to me and said, "Uh, I've got a gift for you. But it's not for you. I said, okay, what does that mean? And he sat in a room with my parents. He said, I've got a gift for Mark, but it's not for Mark. It's for your parents. And he began to tell my father what this extravagant gift was. And I watched a man who I've known my whole life struggle to receive an extravagant gift. He says, no, but it's Mark's birthday. And, oh, no, we can't do that. And, oh, no, that won't work. He struggled to receive. He struggled to just go, thank you. He starts to tell a story of how when he was 13 years old in boarding school, because his parents had abandoned him, his greatest fear going to bed at night was breaking a window in the boarding school because you had to pay 10 pennies or pence to fix the window. And starts the stuff starts to come out. Why? Because we've struggled to receive life. We struggle to receive joy because of the brokennesses of our experience. And we don't allow God in there to get deep inside. And we struggle to receive good gifts from a good father who doesn't break his promises. And we struggle to receive extravagant gifts because we don't feel like we're worthy. And we struggle to walk out in the gifts of the Spirit and the acts of the, of the Holy Spirit because we don't think we are worthy. Go someone else. Go man of God. Go home group leader. Go young man with passion. Go someone else. And we'll be happy to be their cheerleader. And Jesus said, I didn't ask you to be a cheerleader. I asked you to be a son or a daughter of the living God full of power. So that my gospel and my glory and my love can reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of heaven. You need intimacy with heaven. But the way you do that, receive a gift. He doesn't say receive a gift. He says wait for the gift. My Father promised. Wait. We're not good at waiting either, so it gets more difficult. We're going to take a moment and wait. Is that okay? I don't know about you, but I don't want to do time on earth. The Bible says we can lay hands on the sick and they'll get healed. I want to see the sick healed. 
the Bible says we are different in this. It says in Proverbs 11, 11 says, the favor upon the righteous will be that which uplifts the city. I want to see the city uplifted. So I want to see the favor of God in your life and my life. I want this young man, an accountant, to walk in the Spirit of God into every meeting with the confidence and knowledge that there is a Father who has good gifts for you and He's empowered you to be there. And your primary purpose is not just a bottom line. Your primary purpose is not just sorting out some books. Your primary purpose is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria at the ends of the earth. And they might look like your directors. And it's going to take courage. But inside of you is the Spirit of God. Inside of you is God. God wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to set free. Can we close our eyes just for a moment? And we take just a few moments to wait. Spirit of God, you are here. I pray. We believe your word. Your word tells us to wait for the gift. For some, I pray, you would baptize for the first time from the top of their heads to the bottom of their toes. I pray it would be as real as the hands of a father coming upon them. And touch heads now. And run it down the back of their neck. As you touch them with the intimacy of a loving father. And I pray, Spirit of God, would you get places where no one else can get and anoint your people tonight. Miskach us, I pray. Smear us with your glory. So that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria could know who you are. So that your sons and daughters would shine. Not a a church on a block, but a city on a hill shining for your glory. In the boardrooms, in the hospitals, in the schools, at home. We wait for you, Spirit of God. Can you put your hands out like this if that's okay? I don't know about you, but that's how I receive a gift. It's no formula. It's not a principle. It's just a gift of God given to the sons and daughters of God now.